Would you turn with me, please, this morning to the first uh, epistle of Timothy? First Timothy. And the first chapter. And before we read the scripture here, we'll pray again. I like good testimonies, don't you? And we're having them. They're just every week. Testimonies coming in. People's financial needs being met. People being healed. People's relationships being restored. And that's what ought to be happening in a Christian's life. In 1 Timothy, we're going to read about the fifth verse. But before we do, let's agree in prayer together for just what we need this morning. Father, thank you again for everyone that's here. And uh, we know we're not here by accident. They're not here by accident. But that you've drawn them and you have us here and you're here all by divine appointment. And we ask, Lord, give everybody eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that's open and receptive. Where we've already asked and we thank you and believe you for utterance, complete and full, precise, exact that we'd just say exactly and do just exactly what we're supposed to this morning and let everything be done in such a way that you'd be the most seen, the most exalted, the most glorified, for you're worthy of all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and let's just begin reading in verse 1. 1 Timothy 1, 1. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, to Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought you to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that you might charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. You know, you shouldn't uh, judge messages and sermons and teachings intellectually. You should judge them by your heart. Uh, The things, there's a lot of things around that are taught and preached and books that are written and everything else that are not revelation. They're simply reasoning. And then there's a huge difference between the two. The thing that is just reasoning and the reasoning of men, it might impress you with the speaker or the writer's intelligence and you might think, hmm, I've never thought about that. But when it's all said and done, all it leaves you with is questions. That's not God. Did you hear me? The thing that is God will do what with you? Did you read that scripture? Godly edifying, it'll build you up. Amen? Edify means to build up. One, uh, one writer talks about it, it's almost like charging up like a battery or building up like a house. Well, when it's something's from God... It may be, the you know, all the things of God have a great depth to them. But have you ever noticed when you get revelation, it seems simple to you? Hmm? And you think, 
Oh, that's what that means. Why didn't I see that before? That helps you know you're on the right track. Because it's not that things, you know, the more complicated something comes across, that's the less the person that's talking understands what they're talking about. Does that make sense? Because somebody that understands what they're talking about and has some personal revelation of it, it comes across simple. I know a a fellow minister of mine was much older than myself. He was a squadron leader on the SR-71 Blackbird surveillance airplane. I don't know if you know anything about that, but it's a jet that flies on the curvature uh, of the earth what, almost 100,000 feet or something, 2,200 miles an hour. You used to fly so fast, they'd take pictures and be back home, have them develop before anybody knew what's going on. And anyway, he said when they first brought this plane out, he and some of the other pilots who are supposed to fly it, they brought in some of the engineers to explain how the systems work and everything. He said they were there for weeks and were more confused at the end of it than they were before they started. They just were getting nowhere. And they finally brought in a guy that was that personally designed most of it. And in four days, they were ready to go. See, he made it simple for him. Why? Because he understood what he was talking about. The other guy, how I many know just because you read a book on scuba diving doesn't mean that you're a good scuba diver? Because <laughs> you read a book on something doesn't mean that you are ready to do it and and the more understanding you have, it's as simple to you. The things that are complicated, things you don't, you don't understand. But uh, when it comes to these kind of things, he said the, these godly edifying things that are in faith. He said don't, don't give heed, don't give time to these fables, to all these endless keeping up with uh, uh, who your daddy was and your granddaddy and your great granddaddy. All these genealogies, all these natural things. And there are people that are getting into a lot of stuff nowadays, aren't they? And I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. And watch it. When they get through, they have questions. It ministers questions. And that's not God. Because when it's God, tell me again, what will it do? When it's God, what will it do? It'll edify you. It'll build you up. When it's revelation, there'll be life in it. It quickens you, strengthens you. Amen. Now look at the very next verse. He said, Now the end of the commandment is charity, or we'd say today, love, out of a pure heart. And, in other words, and the end of the commandment is a good conscience. And, The end of the commandment is faith unfeigned, which some have swerved and turned aside unto vain jangling. That doesn't sound like it'd be worth much, does it? Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they're affirm. They're confused themselves and they're trying to teach somebody else. That's not a good situation. When the blind leads the blind, what happens? They both wind up in the ditch. (laughs) Well, it's true, isn't it? Now, the Apostle Paul is the man. We we read in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's how it starts out. How many believe the apostle Paul knew something about being a Christian? Knew something about what it means to be a disciple and a follower of Christ as much as about anybody you could meet? I mean, the man had tremendous revelation from God about redemption, about the new birth, about righteousness in Christ, on and on and on. In fact, the scripture said, or or if you look at it, it it, it leaves the idea that he was caught up to heaven. He saw Jesus in the vision, saw him personally, talked to him, and also was caught up in the vision. I'm just saying all that to say this man knows something about what it is to be a Christian. And out of all the revelation that he has, I mean, God used him to pen over half of the letters that are in the New Testament. And out of all this revelation he has, he sums it up for us here. And he says, now here is the end of the whole deal. This is the end of the commandment. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to obey and serve God? He gives us three things. How many think this is significant? It's the Apostle Paul, and not just him, the Holy Ghost, writing through Paul, says this is the end of the commandment. This is the summation of the whole deal. That's what we're talking about this morning, the end of the commandment. Number one, he said, it is what? Love out of a pure heart. Love out of a pure heart. Go with me to 1 Peter, please. The first chapter. 1 Peter 1. I'm excited about this this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse 22. 1 Peter 1.22 says... Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto what? Unfeigned love of the brethren. Now we just got through reading there in Timothy about unfeigned faith. And we talked about this, what didn't we, a few weeks ago? Unfeigned faith. What does unfeigned mean? Feign means pretend or false. So unfeigned would mean not pretend, which would be real. Now this this is so significant. Did you know that the devil is the master of false? He's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. And as such... You see that the world is full of falseness, isn't it? Pretend. There's so much in this world that is, you, you, if you take it at face value, you'll be deceived. You'll be led astray because it is a false front. It is a facade. It's not what's really there. You know, uh, uh, one fellow was talking about, young minister was talking about one time about what he should call himself. Apostle or prophet or evangelist or, or pastor or teacher or the holy right reverend this or that. And the older minister told him, he said, well, he said, you can put any kind of a beautiful label on a can, but it doesn't put anything in the can. 
How many would rather have a really beautiful four-color label on a can and nothing in the can? I just soon have a can with no label, but you had something good in the can. And in the world we live in, people are more concerned about the label than they are what's in the can. And so it's all about, it's all about your PR. It's all about, you know, what you put front. Well, no, with God, it's all about what's inside. Because he can look through all the facade and all the, uh, you know, the build up and right straight through to the heart. And he knows what's in there. Scripture says all things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I mean, it is foolish to try to put on anything in front of God because he already knows. He sees, doesn't he? And here he says unfeigned faith, and then we see the same term used for love, unfeigned love. Feign means pretend. So if there is an unfeigned, or if there is a pretend love and a pretend faith, it's, it is a counterfeit of the real. And these two things, pretend love and pretend faith, are the scourge of the church. And it is why a lot of people in the world despise us. Because there are a lot of folk, some that are Christians born again, and some that just call themselves but have never been born again, that have a phony love, a fake love. And a phony faith. Now these are not my terms. These are New Testament terms. Unfeigned faith. Unfeigned love. And I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been saved that long. Hadn't been in the ministry that long. 25 years or so. That's not long. But in my few years of walking with God, I tell you these, I'm telling Phyllis this the last few months. These... Like just like Paul said, I, I, I didn't realize it till I saw that this even this morning, that he said it like that. This is the end of the deal. This is the whole thing, right? And that's what I was telling Phyllis just not long ago. I said, if, if we miss everything else, we got to get this: real love and real faith. Amen. And when it comes to people, other people in your life, whether they're your close family members or whether they are just somebody that you met on the job or somebody you just met on the street, the greatest thing you can ever do for anybody else is to genuinely care about them and to genuinely believe in them. And there is no excuse for not giving that to people. And there's no situation that you can come to where it's justifiable for you to get to the place where you say, well, I don't care about them anymore. I don't care what happens to them. I don't believe in them anymore. They ain't going to make it. Never are either one of those scenarios acceptable to the real Christian. God's not going to do that to you. And he expects you to never do that to his other kids. Amen. No matter how bad it gets. Be a believer. Have real faith. 
No matter how bad somebody messes up. You can't, you can't agree with everything they do. You can't tell them that everything they've done is okay. But you can look at them genuinely and say, well, that ain't right. But I still care about you. And I still really care what happens to you. Amen. And not just say it, but mean it. It's there. The real thing. And no matter how bad somebody messes up, be able to look at them and say, I believe you can come out of this. I still believe you can make it. Amen. Friend, you you can't give anybody anything greater than those two things. How many know that you can tell if people really care about you? And you can tell if people really believe in you. You can tell that. That's what a church family is supposed to be about. Amen. That no matter what goes on, you can come to your church family and there's some people there that really care about, not just about what you can do for them, but they care about you. Amen. Amen. They care about you. Even if you mess up, especially if you mess up. That's when you need help the most. When you messed up. When you blew it. Now I'll just tell you right now, I doubt you can shock us. We've seen a few things and heard a few things. Now, when I first started in the ministry, you could. But like I said, that was some 30 years ago. When I first started in the ministry, one of the first jobs I had was counseling with people that had problems and praying with them. And sometimes people would come in and they'd start telling me all the... I I lived kind of a sheltered life. I mean, I grew up in a pretty good home and... And in the deep south, out in the country, and I mean, you know, we had a pretty good life. And, and uh, some of the stuff they started telling me, I never heard of such. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> you didn't do that. I mean, some of the stuff, and they'd start crying. And they'd finally, they'd say, my God, Brother Keith, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'd hand them a Kleenex, and I'd get me one. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do either. You're messed up. But that's not going to help anybody, is it? (laughs) But like I said, that was a few years ago. (laughs) A lot has happened in the last few years, last couple of decades, ministry. We have heard and seen some stuff. So don't get to thinking, well, they couldn't know that I did that. They'd just fall off their chair. I doubt it. We could probably tell you stories that curl your hair. But I will tell you this. No matter what you do, God loves you. He doesn't love everything you do, but He loves you. He cares about you. Genuinely. Amen. And so do we. And no matter what you do, God still believes you can make it. Amen. You can make it in serving Him. You can be a success in spite of it all. How many know Peter stood out there and denied that he knew Jesus and cursed and denied and carried on, and he still made it. Next thing you know, he's standing up on the day of Pentecost, preaching like a house of fire. Thousands are coming to the Lord. God used him mightily. We could tell you case after case after case of people that blew it and blew it terribly, but later on were restored. There is hope. I said, there's hope. Yeah, but Brother Keith, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, and do you know how powerful the blood is? I don't care what you've done. You can be washed. You can be cleansed. And we're saying we want to be here, not just myself and my staff, but all of us want to be here for each other like that. But we want you to be there for other people like that. Amen.
that no matter what anybody comes and tells you, that you don't just fall off your chair. Hmm? Some of you need some practice on that one. I can tell that right now. That's one reason your kids don't talk to you about some stuff. They know you'd just freak. You'd just fall off your chair. That's not okay. You've got to be willing and believing by the grace of God that you can handle things. And no matter what you're hearing in your heart, you keep telling yourself, God is still on the throne. The word still works. Amen. We can make it through this. God will show us how. Amen. And I still care about them. Everybody say unfeigned love. Verse 22, he said, see, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. How many know this is the New Testament commandment? To love each other as he has loved us. And we must, I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in just a minute. I want us to release faith. We must get all of this phony love stripped away. Amen. Amen. Hmm? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you it's aggravating. People will. They'll take your hand and they'll go, oh, we love you, brother. We love you. And they don't mean a word of it. They're just trying to do the, quote, Christian thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's just a bunch of junk. And if you needed them for something, they ain't going to be there. Did you know that religious people are absolutely the meanest people on the planet? I'm telling you. I'm not talking about real Christians now. I'm talking about religious people. that don't know God. I'm telling you what. They will kick you. They'll beat you. They'll kick you when you're down. And then they'll give you three scriptures while they think it's okay. To treat you like that. It's not okay. Now did you know that real love. Will not just give in to you all the time. I mean, you know, just in the few months we've been here, some folk may not have understood, not have understood me already. There's some people hit me up about some stuff and they say, well, can we do this? And I smiled and I said, no. They said, well, can we do this? And I said, no, sorry. They said, well, can we do this? And I said, no, I'm sorry, no. Well, why? I thought you loved us. I do. It's one reason I'm saying no. The Lord told me, he, I mean, he, he got a hold of me early on in this deal. He said, if you're always giving in to other people and doing what they want, he said, who's leading the church? I said, I got you. (laughs) Who's it supposed to be? And you know who's going to stand before the judgment seat of the Christ very long, before very long, and give an account for everything that's happened in this place? It won't just be you. It'll be me first and foremost. Amen. And he won't do him any good to stand up there and cry and say, well, Lord, yeah, but the people wanted to do this. And they would, he ain't even going to hear that. Love will do what's best for you, even if you don't like it. Good parents discipline their children. Don't they? Let me say that again real slow. 
good parents discipline their children. I had a mother sit across the desk from me one time and just cry her eyes out. And and her her, her child was a terror. A terror. 13-year-old girl. And she was absolutely a terror to be around. And her mother said, well, I know, you know, maybe I hadn't done some things, but I just love her too much to, to discipline her. I said, no, you don't. You don't love her enough. You love yourself more than you love her. She looked at me like I'd slapped her. I said, it's the truth. You care more about how it makes you feel if you have to discipline her than you do her future and her outcome and her well-being. Nobody enjoys people not liking you, people being mad at you. But if you love somebody, you'll do what's best for them, even if they don't like you for a while. I've been in the ministry a few years. We have had all kind of classes that I've taught and all kind of situations. And and some of the folk, I've had people come to me 10 years after they were in my class. I said, Brother Keith, I need to repent. I said, what, what? They said, well, I really didn't like you. I really, oh, I didn't like you. I said, well, why? Well, I didn't like what you said about this. And I didn't like what you did about that. But they said, uh, I like you now. <laughs> well, it took them 10 years. But they were thanking me eventually for being strong with them. Amen. Because I wasn't just trying to get on my high horse and say, hey, I'm, I'm the leader. You have to do what I say. No, it was about them. What's going to help them? And I knew the way they were going, it, it would hurt them in the ministry. This looseness, this laxness wasn't going to cut it. Love is not just going to give in to you everything you want. Love's not just going to bend everything you suggest. But love is not just going to do what I want either. Love is going to look out for you what is best for you. What's going to help you the most. What's going to set you up for a good future. Can you say amen? amen. Real love. Genuine, not this fake, phony junk. The real thing. You genuinely, you really care about somebody. Let's pray out loud real quick. Say it out loud. Father God, open my eyes. Help me to see what is fake love, what is phony, what is false, and what is true love. Genuine love in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what's the next thing he says? Back to 1 Timothy. The end of the commandment, he gives us three things. The first one is unfeigned or genuine, true love. What's the second one he mentions? 1 Timothy 1.5, the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and what? A good conscience a good conscience he mentions it again for the chapters over down in verse uh, 18 and 19 verse 19 he says holding faith and a what a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck is a good conscience important oh it's vital it's vital Back up to the book of Acts real quickly. Acts, the 24th chapter. Is this okay this morning? Acts 24. 
If you just get these three things and you operate strongly in these every day, I'm telling you, you're going to be a long way down the road toward being a mature and a greatly fruitful Christian. Acts chapter 24. Paul says this by the Spirit. Acts 24, 16. Acts 24, 16, he says, Herein do I exercise myself. So this is not just something that happened automatically. He had to do something. I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul said all the time, I'm exercising myself so that I have a conscience that is void of offense. We might say today, clear. A clear conscience. Toward who? Toward God and toward man. Your conscience could be called the voice of your spirit. Or the voice of your inner man. And through your conscience... The Spirit of God communicates to you. Not, not so much through a what, through a outward audible voice, but through an inward sense and through an inward knowing. When you're Christian, when you're born again, you're born clean. You're born pure. Born again, pure and clean. If you make a mistake, your heart condemns you. Or we might say it like this, your conscience bothers you. Doesn't it? Now... Go back to Timothy. I know I'm going to a few verses this morning, but this says it better than I could say it. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. First Timothy four, verse two, talks about people who are off. First Timothy four two, it says they speak lies. In hypocrisy. Now here's this falseness again. The word hypocrite literally means a pretender, an actor, play actor, or pretender. And that's what hypocrisy is, is pretending. Is it okay to pretend as a Christian? Pretend like you're believing. Pretend like you love people. Pretend like you love. It is not okay even remotely, even a little bit. This pretending is not okay. God is real. The devil is the pretender. He's the liar. He is the father of lies. King of faults. He says speaking lies in hypocrisy. They have their what? Conscience seared. With a hot iron. Well now see they weren't born again like that. But what happens if if your conscience bothers you? What are you supposed to do? Let's say you said something to somebody and your heart bothers you or your conscience bothers you about it. Let's say you're in a business deal and you know it ain't quite right, but covetousness swayed you and you didn't do the right thing. You, you did something, you didn't tell something you should have told or you, you left the impression that something was a way that it wasn't and your heart bothers you. What should you do? You should repent and you should do what you need to do to get it right between you and God and between you and men, people, right? 
But people don't do what they should do in these areas. So they just go on with their conscience bothering them. What happens when you do that? You become dull. Seared. When something is seared, then what grows back is scar tissue. Right? Or it's kind of like calluses. When something is frictioned enough, then you have blisters and then you have uh, calluses that are thick and unfeeling and insensitive. And that's what can happen to a person's spirit. If you override your conscience and you keep overriding it and you keep overriding, conscience is bothering you, but you won't do anything about it because you're too proud or too ashamed or whatever the case might be. You just won't fix it. You won't, you won't go to God and admit it and deal with it. You won't go to the person and get it right. What happens over a period of time is you become dull. And this affects your faith. It affects your hearing from God. It affects your being led. It affects your being protected. Because people are dull. And this is one of the big reasons why so many folk are so dull to the voice of God. You talk to them about hearing from God and they look at you like, what do you mean hearing from God? This one fellow said this one time. He said, all these people always talking about God told me this and God told me that. That bothers me. Another fellow said, well, it's all these people that never hear from God that bothers me. I think sometimes we, we maybe should, should specify our phrases and our language better. When we say God spoke to me, God told me, most of the time you're not talking about you heard an audible voice. It's something inside you. Amen. But the problem is so many folk are so dull concerning hearing this. And one of the biggest problems is not keeping a clear conscience. Friend, when your heart bothers you about something, the future of your sensitivity with God is hanging on the balance here. So what's the solution? Nobody knows. Get it right. Get it right. Exercise yourself. Do what you need to do. You know, I used to work out on the on docks loading freight. And man, we, we moved heavy stuff. And, and some of the guys that had worked out there for years, they had such calluses on their hands. I remember one of the guys at lunch, he used, he used to sit around with his little pen knife and just cut into his hand. Couldn't even feel it. Well, after, after working there a while, my hands began to get thicker and tougher like that. A cal, you know, get blisters and then they'd, uh, thicker skin had come up and then blisters and then thicker skin. And I used to have some real heavy calluses on my hands. But here's the good news. They're not there anymore. <laughs> Phyllis asked me the other day, I had a little nick on my finger here. It's still there. It's part of it. And she said, oh, you didn't tell me you cut your head. I said, well, it's some little soft preacher hands. <laughs> I said, I was doing something on the airplane and just rubbed it across a little thing and just cut my hand. I thought, you little softy, you. But the thing is... The reason I bring it up, that's good news. They used to be thick. They used to be calloused. They used to be unfeeling. They're not anymore. I said, they're not anymore. Why? Because I quit doing the thing that made them calloused. Oh, did you get that? Somebody didn't get that. I said, I quit doing the things that made them calloused. And then they got sensitive again. And I don't care. (coughs) Excuse me. I don't care how 
thick and unfeeling and insensitive a person has become because they haven't paid attention to their conscience, you can get sensitive again. What do you got to do? Quit overriding your conscience. Quit it. When something bothers you, act on it. Don't, don't even wait till the next day. I mean, if you said something to somebody you shouldn't have said, go see them or pick up the phone. Do it. Act on it now and say, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't right. Keep your conscience clear. Keep your heart clear. Amen. And you'll stay keen. How many would like to be so sensitive to God that when he whispers to you, you get it loud and clear? Amen. Amen. And when the Lord's trying to communicate something to you, you're not acting dumb, you know, founded about it and going, well, you know, I don't know, is that God or is that not? That's just me. What is it? How many would like to know and be clear and be sure? That's God. This is a big key to it right here. Keeping a clear conscience. Everybody say clear conscience. This is the second thing that Paul said is the end of the commandment. I mean, you do these three things and you are going to be following the Lord fully. Unfeigned love, conscience without offense, or a clear conscience. And what was the third thing? Go back and look at it again, 1 Timothy 1. Love out of a pure heart. First Peter said, unfeigned love. A good conscience. We might say today a clear, free conscience. How many know you need to, if things are right in your life, you can lay down at night... And, and lay your head on the pillow, and you can say like the old hymn, nothing between my soul and the Savior. <laughs> How many know that's the way it's supposed to be? And there's some people, now I know that, some people you can't make things right with as far as they're concerned, but you can do everything you know to do to make it right. And like the Scripture says, as much as it lies with you, live peaceably with all men. Some things you can't, they, you, there's some people you can go to, you can repent, you can apologize, you can try to make it right, and they still say they hate your guts and they don't want anything to do with you. Well, you can't control that. But you can do everything you know to do. Amen? Don't let it be because of pride or because of embarrassment or shame or any of that stuff that you don't. And what you do, you can tell it. When you've done what you're supposed to do, your conscience is clear. Amen? You're free inside. Now, the third one, what is it? Love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. We already talked about this, but it won't hurt us to talk about it some more. Have you got just a few minutes? Or you want me to close real quick? Uh, okay. <laughs> go with me, please, to the uh, the book of... What is it I want you to go to? Luke, I believe it is. No, 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 no. Uh, go to two places. 2 Corinthians 13 and Matthew 17. And I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 13 and Matthew 17. Is there a phony love? Yes, yes there is. And I despise it. How about you? Amen. Is it okay to have a, a conscience that bothers you all the time? No. It is not okay. Do what you got to do. If you have to stay up half the night and pray and get it clear between you and God, do it. If you have to go to people, I don't care if you have to fly across the country, halfway across the world, and sit down with people. If, you have, if it takes money, whatever it takes to get it right with people, 
do what you know to do, but don't forfeit a clear conscience. You cannot afford it. A clear conscience is a part of your being able to believe God and hear from God and be sensitive to God and even know what's going on spiritually. You don't want to be dull. You want to be sharp. You want to be keen. You want to be sensitive to the Spirit, to God. And then thirdly, is there phony faith? This is what's caused a lot of confusion. A lot of people have called stuff faith and did silly things and foolish things, some of which cost them their lives. And called it faith. And then other people that preach and teach faith have gotten labeled fanatics because of it. Hmm? You know what I'm talking about? There are people that, uh, uh, you know, threw away their, their glasses and couldn't see and drove by faith, supposedly, and tore up two or three cars and was just spared to get out alive. There's people that have been dependent on their medication like insulin or or something else like that. And by faith, throw it away and die. Hmm? There's Now, I know what I'm talking about. I worked in healing ministry uh, daily for, for years and years and years. And one of the big questions we had all the time is, well, do I have the operation or do I not? Do I take the medication or do I not? And people like to give pat standard answers. But you know what the answer is? It's according to your faith. And be led. Amen. Now, when we say according to your faith, that's what Jesus said. Didn't he? How do people receive? Now, this is what's, if you haven't heard this and you don't understand this, don't let it get away from you. If you need to, write it down. But don't let it get away from you before you understand it. We don't just receive according to the will of God. Nor do we just receive according to what God can do. According to His ability. Tell me how we receive. According to our faith. And that varies from individual to individual. And it varies in you from year to year. Now in 2 Corinthians 13, are you there? We're talking about fake, phony faith. Versus the real thing. Real faith. Genuine faith. In 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. 13, 5, 2 Corinthians. It says, examine yourself. Whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Who is to ascertain where your faith is at? You are. Not me. You are. And that's why when it comes to you believing with somebody else, you can't just believe for everything for them. So much of the time you have to find out where their faith is at and hook up with them. I've had people come to me confused and say, well, we was believing that Uncle Charlie would live and he didn't. And we don't understand it because we prayed and we agreed that Uncle Charlie would live. And he died. And you ask them, well, what was Uncle Charlie believing? They look at you in amazement like, well, does that have anything to do with it? More to do with it than what you're believing when it pertains to him. They said, well, he said he wanted to go home and be with Jesus. Well, praise God, it worked. He got what he was believing for. Right? 
You can't just push something off on somebody that they don't want and that they're not believing for with your faith and prayer and believing. And not only that, so many times people are pretending. That's why some folk are dead today. Because they're pretending they had faith. And their faith wasn't there to do what they're trying to do. Now go with me back to Luke. And I'm still in the middle of getting ready to finish. Luke. Oh no, I said Matthew, didn't I? Well, it's it's in Luke too, so that's all right. But go to Matthew. 17. Everybody say... Real faith. Real faith. faith. In Matthew 17, verse 14. 17, 14. When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times he falls into the fire and off into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they they could not cure him. This boy had seizures. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now what immediately, what did Jesus say the problem was? Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, well, now we just don't always understand the ways of God. Did he? He said, you're faithless and, and messed up, twisted bunch. He said, I am tired of being in this bunch of without faith and mixed up people. How long am I going to have to stay, Father? And the more faith you get and the more you walk with God, you'll feel more like that too. You'll think, come on, when are people just going to get a clue and start believing God? But that's where the unfeigned love comes in. Uh, <laughs> Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse, distorted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now they prayed over this boy. They rebuked, they bound, they cast out, they laid hands, they imparted, (laughs) they did everything they needed to do, and nothing happened. And a lot of people would have left that situation and said, well, it just must not have been the will of God. But it wasn't the case. And they brought him to Jesus, and Jesus ministered to him, he set free. And look, look at verse 19, then came the disciples to Jesus apart, and they said, now, uh, why couldn't we do that? We tried. And Jesus said, well, boy, now, boys, you've got to understand, I'm the Son of God. And there is a difference between me and you. And because I have special anointing, and because I am God manifested in the flesh, then I can do stuff like this. But don't feel bad because you couldn't do it because you just are poor uh, mere mortals and worms of men. And that's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. And besides that, God's ways are mysterious. (laughs) Now, I know it's funny, but do you understand that this is what is preached? This is what is proclaimed and taught through churches all over the world. When things don't happen, people just throw up their hands and say, well, it must not have been the will of God. 
Did it never occur to anybody? Through reading the scriptures, perhaps. That it could have been a deficiency on our end somewhere that caused the failure? Read the next verse. What did Jesus, how many know Jesus knows? He knows. He's right. Jesus looked at him and he said, it was because of your unbelief. That's why. That's why you couldn't do it. Wasn't because it wasn't the will of God. It was because of your unbelief. Now, friend, you'll really start making progress in your life when you start admitting, examining yourself and admitting where you are and where you're not. Faith is something that must be fed regularly. It's something that must be exercised and used regularly. And if it is, it will grow. And what used to be very hard for you to believe or seemingly impossible, you get to the place where you can believe it. I mean, I... uh, I used to lift weights quite a bit. Need to get back to it more. But uh, I used to could lift a fair amount. But today, if you put me on a bench and you put 400 pounds on there, on that bar, it ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, what I'm talking about. I'm not there. I might wish I was there. I might like to be there. I could make confessions. But I ain't there. I mean, know what I'm talking about. You're either there or you're not. And, and my body is not there. I mean, I could have two people lift that bar and hand it down to me on the bench. And I'm just in trouble. I could squirm and squeal and push. And outside of a working of miracles. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Why? Because I ain't there. I could possibly get there. How many know what I'm talking about? Get on my diet, start working out with a hundred pound dumbbell, a barbell, or 150 or 175 and 200. How many know what I'm talking about? Over weeks and over months. Your faith is exactly the same way. Your faith is today not where you wish it would be, it's where it is. Are you with me? When's the last time you looked at something and said, well, (laughs) I'm just not there? Did you hear that? See, a lot of folk don't understand faith well enough to know that. I've had people come to me before, well, let's just believe for this and let's just believe for that. Hey, you could just tell they're no more in place to believe for that. They're just wishful thinking and just daydreaming. Their faith is not there. But see, faith is not real to them. And they don't know the difference between real faith and phony faith. When you have real faith, it's not wishful thinking, it's confidence. I said it's confidence. You are fully persuaded that this is coming to pass. Amen? I've had people say, why don't you, why don't you do this in the church? And why don't you buy this? And why don't you do this? Hey, I'm thankful God had us at the place of faith to do what we're doing. Amen. And I have confidence that every one of these seats is paid for and filled. That's where my faith is. Why don't you do this and do that? Hey, don't bother me, okay? My faith is right here. Don't try to put some more weight on the bar. Amen. This is where I'm at. 
I know Dr. Kenneth Hagin that I worked with for years. He said when they first started the ministry, he said, uh, man, they owed everybody. He said they owed J.C. Penney and they owed Sears and they owed Montgomery Ward and, and they owed the bank and they owed mom and daddy and, and everything. And they finally got in this little house and said, uh, Miss Aretha, his wife, said, you know, Kenneth, we need some drapes. And he said, Aretha, he said, if you, he said, if you hang drapes on my faith, it'll break. He said, I, I'm believing for everything I know how to believe for, and there just ain't no room for drapes. You believe for them. <laughs> it's the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, right? It was just too much. But you understand, a lot of folk, to a lot of people, faith is not real enough to them to even admit that, to realize. Do I have the surgery or do I not? Well, where's your faith at? Where's your, not, not somebody, where's your confidence at? Do I take the medication? Do I not? Where's your, not your wishful thinking, not what somebody said, well, God could do that. God could put you on the moon in the blink of an eye. It's not what God can do. It's what can you believe? Where's your faith? Amen. I know one time in praying about finances for ministry. I was in the floor praying, and I said, Lord, how much should I try to believe you for on this? How much? He said something that just startled me. He said, son, it's not up to me. He said, I have the resources. I could make you a multi-billionaire before the sun sets today. He said, but it's not according to what I can do. What can you believe? Where's your confidence and faith level at? I thought, well, okay. So what would you do? You begin to look and see, can I believe for that? Do I have confidence for that? And, and you're better off taking, you know, instead of biting off more than you can chew, getting a hold of something that you're confident in, because you can always increase it later. Yes. I said you can always increase it later. Yes. Amen. Yes. Thank you. And then, you know, put your faith and, and stretch your faith out. But you're never going to grow if you're not believing somewhere. Even as, I mean, we started out believing for a tank of gas to go to Bible school with. We started out believing for a pair of socks and, and believing for lunch money. And there were days I fasted, not because I was trying to be spiritual. It's just a choice between lunch money and gas money. But I wouldn't take anything for that because the same faith that I learned how to believe for lunch with, now we're believing for big money with. Amen. Amen. Same principles, you just feed it and exercise. It's the same muscles that push up 100 pounds or 400 pounds. You just feed them and use them. Feed them and use them, but you got to start where you are. You may just be starting with a bar that has no weight on it. Just give me the bar. That's all right. Just push the bar. Amen. Push the bar and eat. And push the bar and eat. Next thing you know, we'll put five pounds on there. Push the bar and eat. Next thing you know, you'll be believing for things that you never thought you'd be able to believe for. George Mueller said, was a man that God used mightily to, to have orphanages. These are years ago. He said, after... Uh, feeding his faith on the word of God and exercising. What did he say for? Was it 50 years? It was several decades. He said now, he said today, after 50 years of feeding my faith and using it, it's as easy for me to believe for a million dollars as it was to believe for one dollar 50 years ago. All glory to God. I said glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Said out loud, real love, clear conscience, real faith. 
Let, let me lead you in this prayer. Just pray it out loud from your heart. Father God, show me what I need to do to have a completely clear conscience between me and you and me and other people. Anything that I need to straighten up, I make right. Reveal it to me. Enable me. Give me the means to do it. And I purpose to do it. And I ask you, help me. Reveal to me that I may examine myself. Show me where my faith is at. So I can know where I'm at. That I may feed and exercise and grow and have real faith. And no fake, no pretend, no phony faith, but only real that gets results and that glorifies you in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Amen.